0: The Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. For this reason I said, that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's Pentecost, so let's have a shout out for the Holy Spirit too, okay? Amen. 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 You know, sometimes it seems like the Holy Spirit is an afterthought in our Lutheran heritage. Uh, we don't talk about the Spirit uh, too much, uh, and I think it's because of the three persons of the Trinity. To us Lutherans, the you know the Holy Spirit is uh, maybe the most mysterious. Um, I remember thinking this when I was growing up, uh, really wondering about: Do Lutherans even have the Holy Spirit? Because I associated the Holy Spirit with particular activities. Nowhere was this more clear for me than when I was in catechism. Someone, uh, one of our catechism leaders, thought it would be a good idea for uh, us Lutherans to go out and to uh, experience how other people worship, other Christians worship. And so we went to a Roman Catholic Mass. We went to a couple Baptist worship services, and we went to a Pentecostal megachurch. Now just picture the scene, if you will, this row of Lutherans, uh, maybe 10 of us uh, in this pew, and we are seated throughout the service. While all around us, there are people jumping up and running down the aisles, rolling in the aisles, laughing uncontrollably, it seemed, throwing hands up in the air. This, they said, was the work of the Holy Spirit. And we wondered, (laughs) did we have the Spirit after all? You know, looking at us, uh, there kind of stayed Lutherans in our pew uh, in this church. Uh, You might have uh, thought of the phrase that is often used to describe Lutherans and others like us, uh, the frozen chosen. (laughs) <laughs> there we were, saved to be sure, but, uh, uh, but kind of frozen <laughs> and, uh, uh, and certainly it appeared that way. You know, uh, even Luther observed when he looked at the charismatic Christians of his day, that it seemed as if they had swallowed the Holy Spirit, feathers and all. In the reading from Acts this morning, we hear of the sound of a violent wind that entered into the company of saints gathered in prayer. We hear of tongues of, uh, of fire resting on each of those who were praying. We hear of people all of a sudden speaking in languages that they had never studied before, that they did not know prior to that moment. Suddenly they're speaking And there was so much, uh, you know, uh, amazement and energy in that room, the people passing by took notice. Some of them thought, looking upon the scene, surely they must be drunk because there was all this activity and energy there. But far from chaos and confusion, which it may to our at first glance seem, uh, actually there was a a lot of order being restored. People who had never heard the word of God in their own language before suddenly were able to hear the gospel proclaimed. And they stopped and took notice. And once Peter got the crowd to be silent, to listen to him, he gave a well-reasoned argument in the form of a sermon For what was happening, that this was the work of the Holy Spirit, that this was all in accordance with God's word, and that Jesus, that Jesus was alive, and that in him is our salvation. And the result of this activity, this preaching, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus, became believers on that day. The Holy Spirit is not an author of confusion and chaos. The Holy Spirit is an author of order and of peace. The Holy Spirit is an author and and uses wisdom and logic and reason. And this is a good thing. This is, this is truly consistent with the account from Acts of that day of Pentecost, and it is consistent with the way that Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. In our gospel lesson today, the Holy Spirit is described by Jesus using a word called paraclete in, in the Greek, but it gets translated in a number of different ways. Helper, comforter, counselor, advocate, and with each of these words, we, get a, we see a little glimpse of the Holy Spirit's activity. And we see that it is not chaos and confusion, but order and reason. You know, it, the Holy Spirit is described as a helper. If you are in a position where you need help, where you're in trouble, where you're hurting, you don't need more confusion in your life, <laughs> You need someone who's going to come alongside you and help to restore order and peace. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Similarly, to use the the language of counselor or advocate, this is language of the courtroom. If you're somebody who is in trouble and you need somebody to make a a good defense on your behalf, you want that person to, to do so in an orderly, logical way so that others can so that the judge can be convinced right this is the work of the holy spirit counselor or advocate uh, as uh, as it is translated here has often got me thinking about the holy spirit as a defense attorney and i think there's some truth to that as we listen to uh, the reading from romans today talks about the holy spirit interceding for us Uh, With words, uh, groanings that are too deep for words and uh, interceding with us in accordance with the will of God. Uh, So I think there is some sense in which the defense attorney uh, picture is right. But to hear Jesus describe the Holy Spirit in the gospel lesson today, he sounds more like a prosecuting attorney. Jesus said, when he comes, the Holy Spirit will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. In the picture that Jesus paints for us, it is not us believers who are on trial, who need to be defended, uh, who, who stand accused. It is the world who stands accused. And the Holy Spirit, as the prosecuting attorney, proves the world guilty of the charges which Jesus lays out in his case. Charge number one. The world is wrong About sin. Jesus says the world is wrong about sin and the Holy Spirit's gonna prove it. See, the world thinks of sin primarily in terms of moralistic codes. Lists of things to do and things to not do. And if you live according to these, then that proves that you are right or wrong. You're a sinner or a saint. That you are righteous or holy or you're unrighteous and not holy. To be judged, you stand condemned. The unbelieving world doesn't use God's word to come up with these lists, but it really doesn't matter because even we as Christians can fall into the trap of really thinking of sin primarily in these terms, morals, things to do or not do. And there is some truth in that, but all of that, all of those individual sins, they come out of something deeper, much more terrifying, And that is a condition that we cannot escape from, that we are in bondage to as humans. That condition is sin. And all of those individual sins, they spring out from it. This world is convinced that you can be good and righteous apart from God. And that the Holy Spirit is going to prove to be dead wrong. We commit sins because we are sinners. And as Jesus and the Spirit reveal, the root of all of our sin is unbelief. We fail to trust God. We choose to trust ourselves and not to choose God. We reject Jesus, God's own Son. This not believing in Jesus is sin. And it isn't primarily a moral failing. It's a theological one. And that blows our minds because when we think of sin, we mainly think about, well, what did you do? What did you not do? It's not what do you believe about Jesus? And Jesus says that is the first question you have to answer. And if you don't believe in him, everything falls apart from there. The Holy Spirit's just getting started, though. That's charge number one, charge number two. The world is wrong about righteousness. And this follows out of the first thing that the world is wrong about, because according to these lists of do's and don'ts of, of what what you are, what makes you good or not good, the Holy Spirit shows that the world is wrong because it is. Then, wrong about righteousness. The world says, do good and you're righteous. But Jesus, though he is righteous according to God's law, he claims to be righteous because of his relationship to God. Not because he does all these things that are good, which he does, not because he lives according to God's law, which he does. He claims to be righteous because he is the son of God. And the world doesn't know what to do with that. So much so that when Jesus dies on the cross, they then are convinced that he was unrighteous. Because how could the son of God die? And what's more, how could the Son of God die in such a manner? Dying like a criminal, dying a cursed death on a tree. The unbelieving world does not believe in Jesus as the Son of God, and therefore he is not righteous but a sinner, a blasphemer, and a liar. But Jesus says the Holy Spirit will reveal the world to be wrong about this. The Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead testifies that he is not dead but alive. That he now sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us. That he is the righteous one who makes many righteous by his death on the cross the third thing that the world is wrong about is judgment see the world falsely thinks that it can play the role of judge even to the point where it condemned jesus to die the world sees evil men flourish And it thinks that judgment for sin, if it's going to come at all, will come much later, that it'll be deferred. The world is convinced that it has time and free reign to do as it wants to do. But the Holy Spirit proves that the world could not be more wrong. It's not that the world has less time than it thinks before judgment comes. It's that it doesn't have any time at all. For the Holy Spirit reveals that judgment came upon the world the day that it judged Jesus and sent him to the cross. When he died, the world was judged. And the ruler of this world, the evil one, Satan, was condemned. The Holy Spirit proves that the world is wrong because Jesus is alive And he is the one who now reigns. He is the ruler, the rightful ruler, the confirmed ruler, crucified, risen from the dead, ruler of this world and of all creation. He is the king of kings, the son of God, our Lord and Savior. So there it is. The Spirit lays out the charges against the world 1, 2, and 3 and proves the world wrong. Case closed. That's the picture that Jesus paints on the night in which he was betrayed. Within hours, he would be crucified, dead, and buried, and the world would be convinced that it was right about him all along. But... They were wrong. The disciples, though, as they went through those next few days, in those dark hours, as they watched their Master and Lord be crucified and buried, they might have started to think that the world was right after all. There are times in our lives when we too can identify with those disciples in those dark hours. We get confused as to what is right and wrong. We also see evil go unchecked. We hear lies sold as truth, and we find it difficult to sort it all out. Our lives are chaotic, confusing, and that's why Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit. And it's why the Holy Spirit is such a help and a comfort to us. He guides us into all truth, for he is the spirit of truth. He speaks the word of God to us, the word of Jesus, and brings us order and peace. He builds us up in the truth and forms us in faith. Yes, even we frozen chosen have the Holy Spirit burning in us such that we confess Jesus to be the Son of God, the Righteous One, the King of Kings, our Lord and Savior. So this week, should the world get too confusing, pray in the Spirit and have your heart and your mind opened to the truth that Jesus would have you be reminded of. And should you have an opportunity to bring order into the chaos of your neighbor's life, pray to the Holy Spirit, the helper, to guide you. And should you begin to forget just who reigns in this fallen world, ask the Comforter to expose the lies and to point you to the righteous one who sits at the right hand of the Father, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the righteous one, the King of kings. Amen.